John Deere announces the new lineup of high horsepower four track tractors, including an 830 horsepower option. There's three new models introduced the 9RX 710, the 9RX 770, and the 9RX 830. It's autonomy ready. The new John Deere 18 engine eliminates the need for diesel exhaust fluid and offers an optional 168 gallon per minute triple pump hydraulic system. Command View 4 Plus Cab receives updates for increased operator comfort and visibility. Advanced technology package includes G5 Plus command center, display, and integrated Starfire 7500 receiver. The high horsepower 9RX models available for order in mid-March. For more information, go to JohnDeere.com or contact your local John Deere dealer. I was going to back up Lang on why he was so wishy-washy on, you know, giving a price because you don't know, right? Like, yeah. laying the tile is probably the easy part, right? Like dealing with the, the customer and getting them to say yes to something, like well, that's where you, that's your where you got to figure it out. And at. what we run into when we, you know, every five years when we decide to run a couple hundred feet of tile, it seems like it's like you doing your research, right? Where are you going to hook into digging, figuring that out? I mean, you guys do all that too, right? Ladies and gentlemen, farmers, ranchers, and distinguished guests, thank you for listening to the Farm for Profit podcast, where we discuss the latest ideas, methods, trends, and techniques available to help your farm achieve higher levels of farm profitability. The Farm for Profit podcast is co-hosted by Tanner Winterhoff, the Iowa Bankerman, and David Whitaker, the Iowa Land Guy, where in tandem they will share their ideas and advice from industry experts. Thank you again for listening to the Farm for Profit podcast. Remember, if you aren't farming for profit, you won't be farming for long. And now, here's Tanner and David. And welcome back to the Farm for Profit podcast. This is Tanner Winterhoff. This is Corey Hillebo. And this is David Whitaker. Happy New Year. First profit show of 2022. So thanks for joining us. And we're ready to kick off a fantastic year. And remember, listeners, if you're listening for the first time, we have two different versions. We have a farm for profit where we talk about uh, items that are topics that are in the farming world. And then we have farm for fun, more of a social happy hour where we talk about random anything and everything, but uh, mostly related to agriculture. Yeah. And the guests for both of those shows come from your suggestions. So listeners, continue to send those to farmforprofitllc at gmail.com. Or hit us up on any of our social media platforms, Corey. We appreciate you guys giving us all your, uh, oh, what do you call them? Love? Reviews. Love, reviews. Oh, reviews. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. <laughs> our, our review today is brought to you by our partner, Gearinghoff. They're the head of the class, no matter the crop. Yeah, they have the premium harvesting heads for all of your harvesting okay, needs. I'm reading this here, and it says they're the anchor partner. Oh. Are we a ship That's now? big. Anchor's like huge. Like that is the rock solid base. Are they holding us back? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Don't think we, need so. To, we need to come up with something more agriculture friendly there. What is it? Maybe like the hitch pin? Drop the plow. Ooh. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> We're going to think, okay, listener, do you have a, for someone that is key to your operation? Yeah. What is that? Let us know. Okay. So today's review is by... W. Parkinson 4. I really enjoy the podcast. Y'all are at the top of my queue for a new one that comes out every week. Thank you. Ah, thank you very much. Oh, and we just learned that you can now review us on Spotify. So you didn't used to be able to do that. Didn't used to? Is that how that yeah, works? You didn't told, used to. You told me this last week. I, I, I thought you could. 
Nope. I didn't think you it You never would. could. Wow. So if anybody listens to us on Spotify, now you can hit those five stars and leave your review there. Otherwise, it had to be through social media. I expect you, Apple. Central Iowa Rainage. We read <laughs> yours recently to be economic. Uh, that's funny. Also, thanks to partner Gearinghoff for the support. And here is a message from John Deere. They're minimizing risks on your farm. Helping you improve your yields and increasing your profit margins. In today's farming operations, the data is the key to achieving all of this, Dave. It's no secret that data has been helping more and more farmers gain ground in their operation. And there's no better way to manage all of that data than through John Deere's Operation Center. As a leading farm management platform, John Deere is constantly and continuously fine-tuning the features in Operations Center to make it easier, faster for you to analyze all of that farm data. Yeah, and within that Operations Center, you can collect and analyze all of your machine, field, and crop data year after year so you can make those data-driven decisions for your operation. You can set up field instructions for your machine operators, then push those instructions directly to that in-cab display straight from that operations center. Then your operators don't have to enter this information when they get to the field. That is so cool. And with near real-time monitoring with the operations center, you can track the machine performance, the field work, and stay ahead of all the logistics to ensure the right work is being done at the right time. With all that yield data in operations center, you can analyze your farm, your total farm operations performance and make any changes for an even better next year. And John Deere continues to make their operations centers your go-to place to gain ground in your operation. It's free use. Just create an account at operationscenter.deer.com or download the mobile apps from the Apple app or Google Play stores. You can also see your local John Deere dealer for more information. Thank you to John Deere for being a proud partner of the Farm for Profit podcast. All right. Thank you for that message, that partnership. Now it's time for our what's working in ag segment. And I really like where we're headed in our conversation today. So let's welcome back Brody Benton with BW Fusion Biodyne. So thanks again for joining us in the studio. Yeah. Remind, no remind our listeners again quick what your role is with BW Fusion. I know a lot of them already know you, but let's uh, let's hit that. Yeah, they know my voice, maybe not my face quite so much <laughs> yet, but... Uh, for good uh, reason. Oh, yeah, sorry. yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, but my role, I'm a regional sales manager with BW Fusion, cover a lot of Iowa over Nebraska, uh, expanding down into Missouri now, and on the road a lot, 50,000, 60,000 miles a year, so... And the reason we've got you in here today is uh, we talked a lot about what BW Fusion is and how that can make our listeners more profitable. But we're, what's working today in this segment is what worked in 2021. So when you reflect on how the growing year went in your territory, what is something that stuck out and worked for your clients more than anything else? The 365 program is very key. The, the key piece of that is knowing you know, what's happened what's going on below ground, how the plants respond in that. It's hard to make future, accurate future decisions on something if you don't know the information. Now, let's go back to the entire growing season, though. What did we have? Because pretty much everybody in Iowa would say, you know what, I'm 10, 15 bushels over my 10-year averages, right? We got to look at the amount of solar radiation, almost record amount of solar radiation, plus we got timely rains. And looking at that, um, are we going to repeat that for next year? Because you look at subsoil moisture, I mean, a lot of guys will say, okay, we're dry. You just had the, the tiling guys in here. I'm sure they said, man, it's bone dry, yeah. you know, three, four, five, six feet deep. So 
are we going to get those same things to, to line up what we did this year? And where is the trajectory for your yield or profitability? I mean, a lot of times those are highly correlated. But at the end of the day, you know, where's your profitability uh, headed? Um, knowing that, you know, we have really, really high fertilizer prices that we've either put out there this fall or planning to put out there this spring. And you, know, you can also tie in a marketing piece there and, okay, how are you going to market better maybe to, to, to increase your average? But, you know, where's that profitability trajectory going? And looking at the probability of solar radiation, water, things that we can't control, are we going to repeat that? it's probably going to be pretty hard to repeat that sitting here today on December 31st. That's a good perspective that we're not necessarily saying we're coming off a high, but if we want to keep that trajectory positive, there's some key things that we need to do. And when you mentioned that 365 program, so uh, listener for you, BW Fusion is back putting their money where their mouth is on this program. Again, if our listeners purchase 500 acres of the Meltdown 401 team, they still get into this 365 program, correct? Correct. So what we're doing is we're pairing both microbial teams together over seven years being in the field and then using the 365 program to really measure when you put these two together, what's happening as far as nutrient availability, microbial activity, carbon cycling. It's very clear that they need to be together. Meltdown are the makers, 401 are the takers uh, is kind of an analogy that that we've uh, come about. And so 365 helps us Really be able to say, okay, what are those microbial teams doing within your operation? How do you then supplement that to feed that crop later on throughout the growing season? So you, you talked about timely weather, weather patterns and harvest conditions that we might have had this year. One of the things I remember about uh, BW Fusion is consistency in yields uh, year to year. Is, is there something, uh, I'm going to take the negative first. Is, was there any negatives this year? Um, you know, we're talking about what's working in egg. What didn't work? Let's start there. Was there something that didn't work that you guys saw this year? Yeah, no, that's a great question. A lot of times in our farming operations, we do things early because it's easy. We can get across the crop. We're not going to, you know, mow down or run over, you know, as much corn or soybeans early as we would late in the growing season. But in doing that, we can hormonally stimulate that plant to throw on more rows around by V6, ear length by V8, um, and have that greater demand from a kernel set standpoint. But then do we feed that thing later in the growing season? And that's where if we're in a very nitrate-driven soil cycle, and that plant loves nitrate through vegetatum, but once we get into that reproduction, you got an 11, 1,200-gram plant, 12, 14-foot tall, it needs the efficiencies, and that's where ammonium comes into play, and that's where the 401 team meltdown come into play with the 28 ammonifiers and converting that organic nitrogen in the soil to inorganic nitrogen, which the first step of that is ammonium. We know through 365, we're pushing about 30% more ammonium in that soil system later. Now, does that equal a full yield response? Some soils, yes. Some soils, no. And that's where it really comes a full cycle of saying, okay, where do I need to supplement things throughout the growing season? And we were talking just ahead of turning the mics on that you noticed in corn specifically, kernel size. What, what can you tell me there about your observations this year on how you made our listeners money in that restaurant? So a couple of different things with that. If you're going to throw on more kernels, so with Meltdown 401 at R5, when we go out and do harvestable ear counts, and then do kernel counts, we know that we're putting on, on average, about 25 more kernels per ear. 
which at R3, we all see the pictures, you know, the, the big, long pollinated ears that are 54 long on everybody's forearms. Those are going to be very hard to be able to maximize yield if you're not pushing things nutritionally later on in the growing season and also from a stress mitigation standpoint. And so back to, you know, what David's questions on, okay, you know, what negative things have we been able to see? I mean, I, I have a field up in Northeast Iowa that we took a hybrid that's traditionally 18 around and we pushed it to 22 and a half around, but we didn't do anything later on. And we did a negative six bushel yield response on that because we had 22 rows around on an ear that you just weren't going to get any kernel size on. And so being able to understand, okay, how are you hormonally stimulating that plant? And then being able to finish that out, just like if you were, you know, raising pigs or raising cattle, you know, you're going to put a hormone into that implant, into that, that steer, right? Well, if you're not going to feed it later on, what's that steer going to turn out to be? If you go out and put it on wheat stubble, it's going to look like, it's going to taste like crap too, where if you put it on a good, a good protein diet and, and corn, it's going to taste good later on. So, right. you know, same thing, same thing applies here in agriculture as well, or, or with row crop production. So you can yeah. tie this back to Bodie's program that he had last spring was feed the monster you created, right? right? You right. created a monster and then you didn't feed it. Right. I mean, it's the exact same thing. I'm just kind of saying it in a different way because that's yeah. his tagline. But yeah, I mean, you, you have to be able to figure that thing out. Otherwise... You're in a, you know, 20 bushel range, unless there's a you know, complete uh, disaster during the growing season, but you're in a 20 bushel range and whatever that is, if you want to be able to bust through that, that's where 365 microbial teams being able to balance out. It's all about the balance. It's not about just front loading it and thinking that plant's going to just automatically be like, well, I'll take nutrients up when I need them. Because a lot of times when we front load things, we throw things out of balance from the beginning. So... You're talking about feed the monster you created. And so in my mind, you're saying, okay, we got to feed this plant. Uh, we can get more bushels. That's the whole point here. Uh, what's working in egg? We want more, more money at the end of the day. Money is made in the margins. So your product costs something to feed that monster. And so you got me thinking as a listener sitting here listening to you. Yeah, great. Okay, let's feed this. Sure, I can put more fertilizer on it, more microbes, etc. But what's the cost of doing business? Did I make money in the margins? Is it working in agriculture? Corey, I think you had some experience using this product. Did you see? I mean, this is real life as it gets. Are we seeing money made in the margins, not just, yep, we fed a monster, we got more, but did we actually do anything? We had record crops, corn and soybeans on our farm this year in a dry year. But I would say it's not necessarily, and maybe back me up here, Brody, it's not putting more out there, right? It's putting the right form at the right time. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. So then the comment you just made, David, is it's not a plus one all the time. What am I substituting out that's giving me greater efficiency than what I've been doing in the past? The equipment that we have today, you know, compared to 20 years ago, we can do a lot more things in season, placement, timing, all of those things to be able to maximize those efficiencies. And so it's about really understanding, okay, if I'm improving my efficiencies over here, do I need to cut back about the balance? So it might not be a plus one, it would be a negative one over here that we didn't need as much ammonium or didn't need as much fertilizer of something else because we were timely and doing a correct operation. So, so a great example is around phosphorus. You know, we've, okay. we've beat that thing to a pulp, especially here in Iowa, because our soils cycle a lot of phosphorus. If we are cycling a lot of phosphorus, and this is really easy to see within the tissue sampling, 
is that that phosphorus will out, start to outcompete our zinc uptake. And so remember, it's all about, Jason Schley will tell you at Next Level Egg, it's all about the balance. You want to have a balanced plant going into that rapid growth and determine rows around and, and grain fill time frame. You know, that's where if I'm having 401 over here and, and I'm mineralizing a lot more phosphorus than what my soil is even doing anymore, do I really need to supplement anymore? Probably not because we're throwing other things out of balance. And that's where 365 has really been critical in uncovering those things for guys saying, you know what? Don't spend money here. Let's reallocate, you know, continue to do 401 because it's doing more than just phosphorus. It's doing multiple NPK micronutrients, but maybe you need to bring more zinc or do we need to bring some more calcium in here um, and really be able to balance out that, that program throughout the year. So our conversation after this What's Working in Ag segment is going to be part one of our tile series. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds during this segment, but I know that there's importance to what you guys are doing at BW Fusion to have properly drained soils. So can you kind of elaborate here real high level on what benefits that brings? So at the beginning here, we talked about trajectory. Where's your profit margin trajectory? Where's your yield uh, trajectory going for next year? Tile is a huge, huge benefit. I mean, we know not every year is going to be dry. Not every year is going to be a five-inch soaker, uh, you know, rain event, you know, three days after planting. But we know in year in, year out, your yield trajectory goes up when you make that investment in the tile. And we know that nutrient cycle, when you have porosity in the soil, you know, just going and balancing out your calcium to mag ratios, um, you know, having that tile to be able to get that water away, provide oxygen to the plant, um, that's just going to increase you know, your yield potential in that, that plant's uh, performance. So, you know, whether it's in the, the short term, long term, I don't care how you really look at this, tile is going to be a really good investment. And, I, you know, we're, we talked uh, a little bit earlier with, the, with those tile guys and just helping guys understand, okay, what's that investment look like, you know, long term? And, and no different than what the 365 program is doing is it's helping you identify those things that, you know, you, you know, go back to the balance you know, that tile investment helps create that balance within that soil profile. Do agronomics and tile go together? Yeah, it's all part of that. I mean, when you look at the three things on how nutrients are cycling, you have the chemical aspects, so your pH, um, different uh, nutrient interactions. Um, you have the biology, and you have soil structure. And that's where that soil structure piece is, is still really key. I mean, go back to the, the fence row. That fence row has the best soil structure that it's going to have compared to the farm row and being able to, to manage excess water um, is key. I just wanted to interject here and get, because I did a lot of stuff with BW Fusion and Brody and Bodie and all the guys this summer and just say, because I've gotten a lot of questions. Hey, how does that work? And all that. My favorite is the 365 program. These guys have their pulse on the uh, nutrient and soil interactions with each other. And it, yes, they sell biology, but it's not always biology, right? Like I said, it's, it's sometimes they're just helping you out like, hey, this is a little out of whack. Um, we need to get this form of nitrogen on. We need to get this form of sulfur on at this stage of the game. So that, they're just a member of the team, I would say, is, is what it comes down to. Is there one silver bullet to go put biology on? No. But do they interact with each other? Absolutely. So that's what I would say. I like that. That was great. We never have enough time with you, Brody, MBW Fusion. It just, every time you guys are in, I learn something new, and I know our listeners are learning something new as well. So thank you for jumping in 
remind us what the deal is in partnership with Farm for Profit and how people can get a hold of you, and then we'll roll into our general topic for today. Yeah, so um, continue. We, we did this uh, this fall. We're going to extend this. Purchase 500 acres of the Meltdown team and 500 acres of the 401 team. There's different versions depending on what your logistics application abilities are. Get one free field into the 365 program. And what that consists of is two locations in the field. We've changed it a little bit for next year. Um, there'll be three rounds of soil sampling and six rounds of tissue sampling, which is really big, especially for guys at side dressing or later season, um, you know, uh, wide drop applications in that V10 to V12 time frame to really understand, okay, what can the plant or soil provide? What is it not? And, uh, and also, you know, continue here throughout the winter. A lot of my dealers across Iowa um, will be having uh, you know, different grower meetings set up. If you want to reach out to me, find out who might be uh, nearest dealer to you. My phone number is 515-650-0501. Um, I know I have about two months of a uh, schedule that's full of different grower meetings that will go deeper into the 365 program, what the microbial teams are doing. So I encourage you to reach out and, uh, and, and try to attend one of those. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Brody. Brody Benton with BW Fusion. Again, their partnership with Farm for Profit is much appreciated. And now it's time to get into the nitty gritty of our general topic for today. One of our most requested topics that we've had since we've started this has been tile. Yeah, I don't really know why we haven't gotten into it yet. I, I mean, we keep getting suggestions for shows and guests kind of fall in our laps, but we're finally here, Corey. So are you a fan like, of like subway tile or mosaic or like on your backsplash or, I mean... Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the tile oh. we're talking about. That's funny because when I was telling my wife that I was going out the tile, she thought I was doing that. <laughs> like the first time that we ever were talking about it. She's like, why are you dealing I would, with tile? I would probably get the same answer out of my wife. <laughs> so what? for the non-agriculture listeners, we are talking about field tile today. That's right. Did you know that there's over 6 million acres of cropland in Iowa that have wetness limitations? So that is a big deal just in this state. We have listeners from more states than just Iowa that I know they also have wetness limitations. So we're going to focus today on kind of a first of two part, because I have a feeling this is going to go deep into the weeds and we're going to break it up into two shows. So we're going to kind of do a tile 101, uh, let you know a little bit about the basics, get into a, a little bit more about the profitability analysis, and then we'll hit you with a part two and dive even deeper. And Tanner, as I get into selling farmland, you know, there's like 375 different soil types across Iowa. And depending on the soil type, depending on where we're located in Iowa, there's all different kinds of drainage. So this topic, maybe because we haven't touched it, is because it's, it's different in every part of the county and different in every part of the state. I would say coming from a farmer's perspective in central Iowa here, our, our soils are heavy. Our yields are suppressed by excess moisture more years than not. Mm -hmm. Can't be said for the last couple of years uh, we've been in a kind of a drought, which is actually good for our soils, right? Which is why we need tile. Yeah, and I keep hearing it more and more that uh, farmers are increasingly interested in in tile and uh, the benefits or or what it costs or the tax write off. There's so much to unpack here, so let's. Well, get I, I know people are interested. There hasn't been another topic that we have received this many emails on. So we're going to knock it out first part of 2022, and uh, we want to know what you guys think of this. But the first thing that we learned about tile is apparently if you're going to put tile in, you have to have the name Joel. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and drive a Ford. And drive a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> 
We have two guests here. Were they white? Were they white Fords? No. Like agronomists? No. Oh, okay. One was. <laughs> we have two guests in the studio, so we're going to do our best to keep them separate because they are both named Joel. So welcome, gentlemen. First, we'll start off with Joel Hayes. He and his brother run Hayes Brothers Drainage in Grundy County, Iowa. They have been in business since about 2009 and have covered most of the state of Iowa during that time. Their family also farms in that area. So welcome, Joel Hayes. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Why don't, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I grew up farming. My dad still farms. Our shop is at the, the home place. I grew up in the same house that my dad grew up in. Um, it's a pretty small world as far as that goes. My dad had a pole plow, mine a four-wheel drive, then a quad track. Uh, I graduated high school barely, didn't go to college, worked for my dad, and I could see that I was easily replaced, you might say, and I wasn't just looking to leech off the operation. So I always took to the tiling a little more anyway. My brother had gone to UNI, he's a little older than me, for construction management. He was doing construction. He was ready to, for a change of pace, so we bought my dad's tiling stuff. We started with a quad track with a, a mounted plow on the back. Did a lot of work with that. It was shot. And uh, it was time to upgrade, and we could see that this is what we were going to do, not just something that we were going to dabble with. So we went all in, bought a self-contained plow, which it's made for putting in tile, mm -hmm. yeah. and the rest is history. Um, yeah, we've traveled quite a bit. What I like about it is when I'm done with a project, I know that, sure, I made some money, but this guy's going to get a return on what he spent every year and if it's not every year it's it's because it was a drought and even in the drought years it helps as well because we we are rarely especially in iowa dry during the spring mm -hmm. and i have seen fields that i have tiled where in the springtime that root will grow deeper because the water table is lower and then when it does get drier since it's deeper rooted it can hold on a lot longer through three or four weeks in August without sure. rain. And so even in the dry years, it does, it helps as well. And that's one thing I really enjoy about the tiling is, you know, you can sell someone uh, equipment and things like that, and sure that's necessary, but the return on tile is, is always there and it's, it's, it's doing the ground good. And I just, I like that. I don't feel like I'm just trying to get uh, money out of somebody. Well, there you go, Dave. Were you taking notes? Because I think he just outlined like our first six bullet points that we did cover. I was going to say, we're going to get deeper in all of these that points. That was here. awesome. And deep. no pressure to Joel Lang, <laughs> yep. the other Joel here. So Joel Lang, also known as Central Iowa Rainage on social media platforms. Uh, Joel and his family own and operate Central Iowa Rainage in Greene County, uh, where they have been farming since 2012. Is it rainage or drainage? Oh. So the answer is drainage, but there's a joke behind that. Uh, a little bit uh, personal joke to my brother and I, so I don't know if I want to share that here or not, but I might. It was just too early for Tanner. <laughs> we got to get it. We this is get a family-friendly show, right? That's so right. I better be careful. <laughs> That's get funny. The D later. The, the, uh, uh, you're pretty close. Uh, <laughs> you're pretty close. Uh, I like Where this. you lay the pipe. <laughs> there we go. That is funny. But the, the other interesting part that I want to hit a little bit in your introduction is your whole family moved its entire farming operation from Nebraska to Iowa in 2012. So why don't you tell us, welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I did start farming in Nebraska. Um, I've been farming since 2008, um, so a good time to start, you know. But uh, we moved in 2012 
And the reasons for that were, uh, you know, water rights for irrigation because everything back there was irrigated. Mm-hmm. Property taxes high, you know, all, <laughs> you're pretty, <laughs> with selling land here, we get that. So, and then just all in general, we had replaced a bunch of irrigation equipment back there. So it's been a couple million dollars for that. So we decided, hey, let's try and move it to Iowa. And it took us four years of looking around to figure that out. So we landed in Greene County and uh, we farm in three counties right there in that area. And, and that's where we landed. So yeah, I farm with my my dad. Technically, he's retired, but you know how that goes uh, as retirement. Yeah. And my brother and I do farm, run the operation, and we got about three thousand acres that we farm in Greene County there, and the surrounding counties right next to it. Once we bought all that land, we're like, hey, we realized we needed some tile because obviously the stuff you buy is going to be rented ground that wasn't fixed for thirty years. You know, that's kind of how you, what you run into when you buy stuff off an auction or whatever. So we started tiling with a pull-type plow behind our, you know, four-wheel drive tractor. That's how we started in the tiling business. And then all of a sudden, the neighbors are calling and asking for work. And we're like, maybe we just need to buy a real plow so we can work a little longer into the year and have some traction and all that other kind of stuff. And, and you know, have hydraulic, you know, control of the grade instead of just the pitch of the plow. So, and we can get into that more later. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, we, that's what we, we farm corn, soybeans. <laughs> I do a little bit of weird stuff on my farm too. I don't know if you guys probably see that on TikTok or not, but do some, you know, buckwheat, I raise some of that, some rye just for cover crop seeds. So yeah. it gives me an opportunity to tile in the summer too for those small grants. So I've, awesome. I've got so many questions on oh, the Nebraska good. versus oh, Iowa. Oh, oh. So oh no. hey, are you a Hawkeye or you're no, an Iowa State fan? Nebraska right? lets you out. <laughs> no, oh no. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, I'm still stuck there. I mean, you know okay. what I mean? Okay. And then what's well, Nebraska? So Nebraska's this is for no. Quentin Keneally, right? So like you you don't even have to answer this because you made made the debate right, right? Like you came to Iowa from Nebraska, right? You had to our, get out of there. Because our corn's better. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> right? our corn's better. The corn is better. I'll have to better. say that. Okay. Uh, I better be careful saying that, but uh, the corn yields are better. How about that? Okay. There we go. That's great. Well, we have two, technically really are going to have three very unique perspectives on this show. Dave and I are kind of going to be along for the ride, but uh, we've got Mr. Hayes, who's professionally installing tile, that's his business, his livelihood, uh, that's what his expertise is. We have uh, Mr. Lang, who is still an expert in his right, but also farms uh, actively with his own checkbook to make these decisions pay. And then we have Corey here, who puts tile in bathrooms. But we, I think we're going to get a lot, of this, a lot of this covered. I think we're having way too much fun for a fun I, show. Yeah, well, we have people in the show. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's for, right. a for a profit show. Well, Corey, you're the local expert since you're part of our team. Uh, start us with the easiest question. What is drain tile? What is drain tile? Cause, well, and, I, and I'm interested in the history. I, I know it's not on the sheet, but every time I hit or have to fix a dang clay tile, <laughs> I'm always thinking of these guys hand digging this stuff in. So who wants to take that question? What is tile? And then give me a little history. I'm going to let it. Hayes do that because uh, he's got the history here yeah. and I don't necessarily. There's actually a museum. If you're really, really, really bored and it's the last thing on your bucket list to ever do <laughs> in upstate New York that has... In the New York, history of all of, places. Of tile, yeah. Really? Yeah. I think the uh, the Dutch, they're kind of the originators of tile. Imagine that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> when you're below sea level. Um, so it started off with uh, clay tile. That, that, and that's why it's called tile, mm-hmm. is because they used to be one foot long, whatever the diameter was, and they were made out of, like, pottery. Mm-hmm. And so they would originate, or, or some of them are cement, if you're unfortunate. They don't last as long. But 
the, so they were originally dug in by hand. Two spades deep was the uh, one guy would take the first spade depth, the second guy would mm. take the second spade depth, they'd lay them in there by hand, and all those tile that are now two spades deep are usually problems because they're not, being that they're made out of pottery type material, they freeze thaw mm -hmm. and they blow apart and they break. So we, we usually disregard those or we fix them sometimes, they're, they're a pain. So then they moved on to uh, a trencher or a wheel machine and that would put in the, them faster. They would still run them down a chute. You'd still have to lay them out by hand. Uh, guys used to talk about how much tile's in a field by the wagon load, because <laughs> they'd literally haul these tile out on a barge box. Hmm. Well, there's, you know, with plastic tile, I can carry more in my hands than it was on that wagon. So then they moved to that. Those machines don't like rocks. So rocky areas usually had less tile. Then plastic came along in the... Hold on. Wait, wait on the plastic because I got a question about clay tile. Like I'm envisioning, I know what clay tile looks like. Obviously, growing up on a farm, I understand that you know, we fixed a lot of that. But if I think about that, I have a clay pot. And when I put water in my clay pot, it doesn't go out of the pot. So how would, have, in that time, water get into... The joints. Oh. So I was wondering the same thing. Like how did the water get in? It's not perforated, so... Right. So if you've ever had a crack in a basement floor in a wet year, in. you've seen water shoot right through the crack in that floor. Do you Same know that? thing with clay. Was that a dumb question? No, that's a, that's a good question because that would go over my, uh, not over my head, but I knew that, right? Yeah. Well, see, yeah. if you were the guy in the trench box, when these are coming down the chute of the wheel machine, it was your job to gap them. And in really tight ground, bigger gaps, sandier huh. ground, you wanted them things as tight together as you could. Yeah. Okay, now into plastic. Thank All you. Right. All right. Yeah, so plastic. And so this is what has made tiling economical. Clay tile was expensive. It was hard to handle. It was heavy. It was difficult to do. Uh, plastic comes along. And so the, the price of, of tile actually drops. Like, we'll get maps of 60s, and they would spend as much money putting in the tile as they did on the whole farm. Hmm. Well, now, percentage-wise, we're not spending near the dollars per acre as the farm value. So plastic tile comes in and then allows you to plow it in. Now, that's a whole other debate in itself. Um, all I'm going to say about trenching or using a wheel machine to put in plastic versus a plow, if a plow doesn't work, then 90% of tile that gets installed apparently isn't working because the plow is, hands down, by far the fastest, most economical, and most common choice to install. So now it comes in rolls, uh, four inch tiles, the most common, 3,000 feet on a roll, and it's got little holes poked in it. If you're in sandy ground, it's got really small holes, and uh, you once in a while we'll use a product called muck tile, and it's got holes that you can stick your finger through it. So we usually- got, We got tile with holes called perforated, correct? It's, yeah, so there's perf it's all perforated, but there's, there's narrow slot for sandy okay. ground, and then there's just regular slot, which, Covers 90% of stuff. And then... And then I've heard of sleeve tile. Okay, so that muck tile I was talking about, yep. you run a sock over that to keep it from getting in that giant hole. Or you can run normal perforated tile with sock on it 
for sand. All right, so we got some terminology, Tanner. We got yep. sleeved, we got sock, we got perforated, we got uh, it's probably solid it's tile, all plastic. Yeah, yeah. we got non-perf. That's there's yeah. non-perforated. There's there's smooth wall. I've heard yeah. uh, dual wall. Dual yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah, mainline tile. The main. Okay, we're gonna get into some terms, listeners. So, but if, stick if you want board. the basics, if we're putting a plastic pipe in the ground with holes in it. And it's laid at an angle so that it runs downhill. And that the is the basics. The purpose, is it that our crops are not getting, or they're getting too much water, so we're trying to get the water away? Yeah, so the, my understanding, and then I'll hit you up with a question, Lang, is my understanding is soil has room for air and water to move through it. And if you are full, if those, pour, if those pores are full of water, air can't move through so on and so forth, and the plant needs both air and water to live. So the, the major thought for all our listeners, if you're not a tile person, the major thought behind putting tile in is to get a better yield, to, and we're going to maybe get a number of what we think that yield might be, uh, just to make it so that uh, our crops have the exact right amount of water, not too much, well, not too little. And the tile is only taking the excess amount of water, right? It works on, it's, it's science, right? The perforations are the joints. It's, it's pressures. If, the, if there's excess water in the soil, the soil can't hold it. It has nowhere to go. If there's tile, an empty space, it draws the water. Am I correct in, right. in that saying? Right. I mean, to be more technical about it, you know, soil is electric, you know, it's a charge, you know, your water and your soil are held together. They can only hold so much. Your soil can only hold so many particles of water. Yeah. And so once it's excess, you let that run away. Yep. And if you didn't have the tile, if you didn't it, have it, that, it, it just sit no, there. It wouldn't go anywhere, right? Yep. You know, it's about removing water, but also letting air into the soil. So I've heard uh, some operations. So I live on Sand Hill Trail, so it normally drains pretty good on a lighter, sandy soil. Uh, some of those guys were putting reverse systems in. Are there such things where we bring water back to the soil? That's well, in Nebraska. That's called irrigation in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there are some systems that they make out there. You can kind of at least hold water back, right? I mean... They have to be designed yeah. specifically for that. Okay. And the problem with sand or gravel bottom... Where it is, doesn't hold it. You can never get the water to come up. It just right. falls. It goes down. Okay. Right. right. And that's... And in so a clay every, soil type, it stays yes, held in yeah. there. See, our soils, when we dig down here, right, in central Iowa, it's black for four foot, and then it's orange or you know dependent gray but it is muck clay right and that doesn't go through that okay so we talked about what the tile was and i want to get a couple other definitions out of here lang before we dive into some deeper this we have inlets and outlets can you explain what what we're dealing with when we have an inlet and then an outlet okay so the inlet is you know if you got a pond in your field and you have a tile line running through there you cut a hole in it essentially and bring a, a riser to the surface to allow water to fall into the tile line and then run downhill. So a riser, like a drain. Yeah, it's just a plastic tube that comes from the tile up to the surface. That's all that really is, a riser. And then um, an outlet is just where you take that water and run it out of the field to a creek or whatever it might be, to a drainage ditch in Iowa. There's a lot of those, and maybe we should explain that too. But, mm-hmm. but you run it to that you know, spillway to let it out so it's just the so, outlet so that'd be know. the lowest point that'd be the lowest point typically okay you know yeah okay go ahead with the drainage ditch explain that yeah okay all right so in iowa they had drainage districts and, and in a lot of those districts they have drainage ditches and it was done you know a long time ago obviously for, for me anyway a long time ago and uh and they just built they cut it on grade and it's just a ditch they dug 
you know, to follow a waterway or make a new waterway and just a place to so allow water to run to. As a farmer, do you have to be uh, a member to be in a drainage district? I know that sounds like a dumb question, but uh, for listeners that don't have drainage districts and, and you know, ditches. Yeah, it's a pretty exclusive club. Comes with an I, annual I figured, fee. <laughs> I mean, like somebody paid. It does to, come with a fee. Yeah, somebody, it does come with a fee sometimes. Somebody, somebody yeah. paid to make this, and yes, taxes. We'll get into that to, yeah. to cover it. But um, can can I? If there's one to my left, do I have to go to that one, or can I go to the one to the right? Or you know, well, there's the there's a map that tells you what district you're in. You usually got to stay in that district, right? I mean, I don't know. rules on that. I'm not real clear Technic, on. You're usually you should stay in your water district. The ground that is in that district, you have to outlet to in that district as right. well. You're not supposed to right. cross districts. I mean, and then drainage districts, they're, they're not, you don't uh, get to join. You have to join. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you buy a farm in that district, you're, you're in. And, and that's the thing. In Iowa, it's interesting because when I first moved here, we didn't really understand this. And if there is a large county main going through your field or a neighbor's field, but it's in your drainage district, and they got to repair that, and let's say it's a million dollars to repair that tile line for several thousand feet, let's say, right? You're going to have a portion of that to pay on your farm. And it might be over a 20-year period. They'll give you time to pay it, right? But you're going to have a fee along with just taxes. You're going to have a drainage district fee as well, possibly. So, Well, that just spawned a question of mine. So if you can pay for it over 20 years... Hayes, what what's the useful life of this new plastic tile? What what are they saying? How long is it going to be good for? Are our grandkids going to cuss us because our clay tiles were crap? So I have said before that some clay tile will outlast the plastic, but I don't know. Um, so plastic tile can last a very long time if if you. Uh, let your dirt wash away, and you've got some tile in your waterways. Uh, I've seen some not last very long at all, but that was from neglect more than anything else. But no, it. Uh, I just tell people that no one that I'm putting it in for is going to have live long enough that they'll have to worry about it. Um, it's usually, I can't say I've seen any failures that were related to uh, the pipe itself, unless it was some very, very early stuff I've seen that was bad, or if maybe it was starting to fill in with dirt, maybe it was the wrong perforation, not laid on the correct grade, or just some areas that just seems to be the way it is. But I mean, we're talking tile from the late 70s, early 80s. I've hooked into, I dug up some tile that was put in in 1994 yesterday, and it was just fine. It worked perfect. And that's kind of the nice thing about tile is everything else that you buy is going down in value and is getting worse usually uh, as time goes whether it's equipment or not property this, not or this year but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know you could say it's worth more but i would just argue that no your dollar is just worth, worth less. nothing yeah. Oh, yeah. exactly but uh yeah and that seems to never change but the tile that you put in today in 20 years from now will work just as well it'll be in just as good a condition and i guarantee you in 20 years from now it's going to cost a lot more to install than it does today yeah I wanted, I wanted to go back to the drainage districts real, real quick because as a farmer, that's probably one of the biggest headaches that we run into is our, I feel like our, a lot of our drainage districts, we don't have any uh, ditches so or close by. So it's a main, county main that you spoke of. I feel like a lot of them are overworked, you know, and that's the problem. You can Sometimes you can put in as much tile as you want, but if you're 
the last on the list to be drained. It's still better than not having it, but it, it takes forever, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, and the reason for that is, just think about it. I mean, you were saying it. When did they put that stuff in? Back when they couldn't afford to, because it costs more than the farm cost yep. to put that, put that in. So now it's feasible to put it in every field and pattern tile every field. We can't with the mains that we have. It, you know, it takes either the counties, those dinner districts are going to have to get together and, you know, af- af- essentially improve all of those. So you're saying the infrastructure would not support the, yeah, every The infrastructure farm. we have, at least in my county, at least a lot of the counties I've been in, definitely does not support everyone pattern town in every field. If you have another, if you have a natural outlet, like a creek next by, even per- way better, yeah. way better. Corey, Joel Hayes was just telling us that uh, it was two spades deep, okay? So I find this interesting. As we go to the power show and we look around, I see, you know, deep tillage stuff that's got to be more than two spades deep. So, are, are, are guys, have we moved tile deeper than it was in the past now, or is it, uh, or is it still just a couple, couple feet deep? That depends on your ground. It depends on your spacing. And it depends on sometimes your customer. That was we, that was the uh, most commodities we, broker <laughs> answer. I was yeah. like, you know, there's no real could, answer here. You it's could just... make a lot of money, but you're only going to make some money if you try really hard. But it depends. I Go just ahead. should have said, vote for, the vote for me. Vote for me. Vote for me. All right, good. I'm from the government, here you go. But yeah, uh, three, three and a half foot. Is typical. typical. Okay. Um, and then you talk about spacing. How far apart are most? Uh, we're going to talk pattern tile here. Are we 10 foot, 15 foot? If you want me to put it farther apart than every 60 foot, I, I don't like you. Okay. Like I, I, it, and I, I think I've done it once in the whole time we've been tiling. So from 60 to 30, I've done a whole entire 80s, 160s on 30 foot. On 30s. Um, okay. I've done spots where... There's no natural drainage. It's a pond. It's a low area. It's that water hemp that looks really, really nice in uh, the middle of August. And because uh, it drowned it out, we've done those on 15, but never on a large scale, you might say. So the spacing is really it depends on, on your ground. But typically, I would say that 60 to 40 catches 90% of what's done in Iowa. So my, most of my customers are 60-foot spacings, and a lot of the reason for that is is there's some companies out there have done research and show that your economic benefit wider than 60s, you know, you have better economic benefit at 60s. But if you get narrower, it obviously depends on soil type, but narrower, at least in my county, it doesn't pay as fast because it costs so much more. Gotcha. So that's the reason for that. Go ahead with size. I got gotcha. you. And then, guys, uh, you know, size. I've seen four-inch tile. I've seen six-inch tile. Um, I'm assuming county mains haven't never seen a county main, but I assume they're 24-inch or 12-inch. Help me 30 understand. 30-inch. 30-inch. Yeah. It is supposed to be size. It's supposed to be size. I mean, we try and size them, obviously, for what we're putting on them. You know, we have, I have an app on my phone just tells me what size of main line I need for how many acres I'm draining. Yeah. And that's what the math is based off of. So Contrary do you, do you, do you to what figure, your wife says, size matters, Dave. <laughs> size does matter. Do you figure tile. like rainfall and how much average water you think that that soil is going to hold? Is there like a whole a whole spreadsheet yes. for this? There's a coefficient calculation for that. Yes, there is. Okay. All on my, all on the app on my phone. Dave, this it, is your, uh, the, your your pizza thing with Justin Danger Emily. So a four inch tile. How much bigger is a six inch tile? Sounds like two inches, right? How much bigger right. is it? But in volume, water flow, it's yep. twice the water flow. 
Is that right? Yeah, wow. then some. And yeah, then some. it's about yeah. like that. So it, like, like you think it'd be an eight inch, right? You would think yeah. a four inch to an eight inch is twice the flow. Yeah, no, no, it's not. It's just the next size up is almost. So twice if you want to do math in uh, tile terms, five plus five equals six. It's so like two fives will, will fill up a six inch tile. Two sixes will fill up an eight. And then from eight they jumped, or they go to ten, which we rarely put in. We usually just go straight to twelve. But yeah, two eights will fill a ten. Two tens fill twelve. And then there's smooth wall. There's normal time. Um, and then grade. Grade is a huge thing on how fast is that water flowing. Yeah. A lot of times you'll have to put in a, especially in drainage district areas. The way, the reason there's a drainage district there is because there there's no grade. Like they're flat and they're. Usually no natural drainage either. That's why they dug those ditches. The minimum's like what, an inch every hundred feet, or the minimum is uh, whatever we, you need to one, do to get right it done, to get it to rain water. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> real minimum. We try to shoot for two tenths grade. Yes, okay. two tenths is nice, which is two inches for every hundred foot. I think every guy out there has ran less than two tenths, just because you sometimes you don't have a choice, and right. you can say, "Well, that's not oh, that's not what the chart says." Well, and, okay, so do you want no drainage then? Yeah, that's your option. And if you get in that situation, you might just have to run a bigger pipe. Yes, because you, you have fall in the pipe. pipe. Well, you have fall in the pipe, but you just have more volume. You're able to put more in there. It might be moving slower, but you could put more in there. So pipe size matters and the angle. How do you guys get anything done during the day without... I, I, with, I can't imagine you're just sitting there making jokes to each other about pipe size, size <laughs> mattering, how wet it is. I, my dirty mind would probably sit there and just make jokes all day and not make <laughs> any progress in the field. Well, I mean, you want to get paid, right? So you got to work. True. I mean, <laughs> that's part of it. But just, just makes work I, I just thoroughly enjoy... I'm a farmer. And so I'm a farmer first, right? But I thoroughly enjoy fixing a farm, even if it's not my own, because I just, I have seen the math and done the numbers on my own farm. And then year in, year out, 10 year average, there's a 20% increase on your money. That's what it is. That's what Tile is. I can't wait to get to the profitability analysis of this. Yeah, but we're not we'll going for that. We're, we're not going to get there yet. Okay, so uh, Mr. Hayes, is there a better time of year better time to install tile or is it just always is the right time to install tile well your classic farmer will wait until there is some type of crop loss due to wet weather and then say we got a tile that's like waiting for your roof to leak and then you have to fix your ceiling and replace the roof that's a good analogy i like that yeah it's irritating to me it it really (laughs) is Uh, i don't know why i mean it's not Makes no difference to me, but uh, that's usually the case. And then usually it's a wet fall when, when we put in the most tile. This year was pretty dry, and we're at the end of our list, and uh, we're at the end of ambition as well. But I can't say it was a super crazy busy fall. But if combines are stuck, that phone rings off the But nobody, nobody's really putting tile in in July because they have crops in the ground. So it's normally sometime when crops are out of the field. Yeah, I mean, your crop okay. usually is out of the field. We have gone through the crop before. I, I don't like doing it, and I don't recommend it. But um, it I feel like happen. that. I feel like that would constrain you. Like you, as the operator, would be like, oh, no, I have to drive here on yes. these tracks. Yeah, you got to be careful. I mean, yeah, typically in Iowa, since it's corn and soybeans here, it's fall time, springtime barely. I mean, it's way more yeah. in the fall. People don't like doing it in the spring just because of it's already wet, right? We don't want to tear up the field any worse. Uh, if you get to other areas of the country, you get wheat country, you know, go to Minnesota, and you can summertime tile. Right. Absolutely. And you mentioned a little bit in your introduction that by you doing some buckwheat and some rye, yeah. That provides you some opportunity on your own ground. Yep. I do some small grains on my own farm just to give myself a window to do my own farms so I don't have to do it in the fall when I need to do a customer's field. 
do you not agree though that tiling when it's drier out is much more enjoyable not only as oh, the installer but if easier. i was a farmer i would a drought year is a great year to tile yeah i mean no one looks at it from my perspective because they're they're not putting in the tile but my perspective is absolutely i was really enjoying doing it in the summer <laughs> or this fall for an example because i'm not fighting in that hole the the mud muck and all of that do you charge different if it would, if I had customers had opportunity to do it in the summer, I would give them a discount if I could do it in the summer. Absolutely. Tanner, I was going to say, there, there's the first profitability nugget. Is, is yeah, there is there a, a right tip. is there a right time financially when there's 179 deductions, when there's 1031, when you just purchased a farm and you can reconstitute or recapture the taxes? There's wow, oh, like that. there's lots of ideas there. I uh, I want to touch on that because yeah. this is a great year for an example of that because if you really don't need a new tractor. Or can't get one. Or can't get one. Why spend that $300,000 on that? You can go fix a farm and get that 20% return on your investment every year for the next 50. Is that the number? To 20% return? Uh, 20% return is the average number. I have a farm that was a wetter farm of my own. And I've been, over the last five years since I patterned tile, it's been a 30% 30 yield increase. But that's about a 30% return on your money, too. Right. So, so what, what probably would be more because you're not putting any more fertilizer right. or anything like that. That's right? another great example. I mean, I can go on and on about this because no, the farming yeah. side go ahead. is okay. So, right now we've got huge, uh, huge input costs, right? I know farmers that two years ago when fertilizer was so cheap, they were putting on a three, four year rate or more than that. Okay. So, why put it on this year? Go spend it on tile because you're going to get more of your money back out of that. You get 20% of your fertilizer when you apply it, right? But you're getting 20% more yield if you put tile in. What's the better return on your investment? Obviously, tile. And right? so you got me wondering right quick. I, we're we're going to dig deeper into the finance side. But just now, uh, we're, we're getting everybody connected to tile. They're thinking about it. You're telling them return. Already, my mind's going, how much do I got to spend? What's, what's it take? Is there, a, is there just a dollar per foot or a dollar per uh, average that you have? Not, not saying that you guys charge this. Just what is the average that I can expect? If I'm that farmer listening on the podcast here right now thinking, all right, he just told me 20%. I, you just wet my whistle. Now I want to do it. How much do I got to spend? Can I, can I, for the audience that can't see us, just describe our two guests' reactions to that question? <laughs> I don't. I'm not Smile, that. Smiles ear to ear. Eyes were bright and gleaming. They just can't wait to talk cost. The uh, broker answer is it depends <laughs> because <laughs> because you got to does the guy want 60 foot spacings or 30 foot spacings on his farm? Gotcha. Does the guy have to cut through a huge hill and dig 12 foot deep to get the main line out through whatever reason for that field? Does it need a 30 inch main line or eight inch main line? Okay, well, let's, just, totally let's just lay it out. Let's just lay it cost, out then. We right? can need an eight inch. We got an eighty. We got an eight inch main that's already there that we can connect into. It's not or, big enough or, for an eighty. Twelve. Let's just say the outlets <laughs> for forty. The outlets close. You just have to go in pattern tile on sixty foot. Do you know size it? You might have a hill in there you have to cut, but it's not too bad. Just a typical deal: sixty foot, six inch tile, or sixty whatever you. Say, I'm going to say, I'm gonna say 1,000 to 1,500. Depends. 1, 500. Per acre. Yeah, per acre. But oh, you, you, you do a per acre base. Per, okay. I do it by the foot. That's what I was going to ask. So, I Hayes, when you bill, yeah. do you bill by the foot or how do you how do you typically bill? Everything is billed on our side by the foot. Okay. One thing about tile price that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but we have found out over our time of traveling from uh, Cedar Falls to Pocahontas area is... It depends on where you live. 
if you are unfortunate enough to live in an area that is just in a for some reason they pay more for tile there i don't know if they're more <laughs> generous i'm gonna say northwest iowa northwest iowa you guys are, are are paying pretty good money for to have your tile put in so if you're um, from northwest iowa you should call either hayes or lang yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get a little cheaper you know it a is, discount it's the a much, discount <laughs> it's more difficult to tile there but not that much more difficult. But uh, northeast Iowa is probably about as cheap as it gets. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see that to me. That would like, wouldn't you be hitting limestone up there? I was well, say I'm way not talking like decor of that. But yeah. I, um, well, like where we're at is fiercely competitive, and it's 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 pretty economical. So can I ask a question? How many tile guys are in your county specifically? Do you know that number? Yeah, the commercial plow wise, right. there is there's one, two. There's a guy ten miles from us, but then the next guy is another twenty to thirty. Um, so you've got three to four direct competitors. Yeah, we've got a few competitors there. This might be a really bad comparison, but I kind of compare the tile contractor to a liquid manure contractor, just in the fact of of seasons that line up. Yes. And about the number of companies that are in an area. It seems like specifically there's certain areas of the country, the state, that have more hog barns than others. So there's going to be a higher concentration of manure applicators. Probably the same thing. There's certain parts of the state or the farming areas that benefit more from tile, probably going to have more tile contractors. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. I think, you know, like in my county, there's two. There's me and one other guy, you know, so... I have a little bit less competition, maybe. Uh-huh. So you're going to charge a lot more. Yeah, than you, I do too. So you're going to you're going to you just got numbers. another one. What, what was your address? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's like uh, Guthrie County, I think. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah, there you go. I, I was going to back up. I was going to back up Lang on why he was so wishy washy on you know giving a price because you don't know, right? Like, yeah. laying the tile is probably the easy part. Right, like dealing with the, the customer and getting them to say yes to something, like well, that's what you—that's your where you got to figure it out. And at. what we run into when we, you know, every five years when we decide to run a couple hundred feet of tile, it seems like it's like you doing your research, right? Where are you can hook into digging, figuring that out. I mean, you guys do all that too, right? Yeah, I mean, so for an example, I went and bid a job last year for a customer in Greene County, and it was a five hundred acre job. Yeah, and. I went and did all the legwork, and he gave it to somebody else. So, you yeah, right? But you got you got to be careful giving away too much information when you when you bid a job. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that you know I learned a little bit. Yeah, you, selling land. Yeah, and so that's just one example of that. And you know, I would love to have that job, even in a, I don't know what the guy undercut me at, but it probably wasn't by much. And I will say this about people out there that think I have this tile job. And I'm going to put it up for anybody and everybody to price. You called uh, your tile guy kind of like a manure applicator. I would say <laughs> your, the guy who puts in your tile is more like your wife. It, it is a marriage because if you ever have problems because willow trees grew into your tile or whatever, and you use three different contractors, no one's coming to fix that yeah. tile. And it's not a job that anybody wants to do. It doesn't make any money. It's just, uh, so you need to get along with whoever you decide. Make sure, obviously, that they're not hosing you. But just, if you're getting bids from anybody and everybody, tile guys aren't very friendly. They don't get along with each other, I would say, right? Yeah, that's that's the case in my county. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never heard one praise another one. I, I mean, they're an ornery 
group of individuals. But uh, you just kind of have to have a little bit of loyalty there, whoever you decide to go with, just for... And, and there's times where you're going to need a guy to come in and do something that you know isn't worth him doing. Like, he's got to replace a line, that an old clay line that failed, but it carried a lot of water. And it's going to take three days of digging, and he's going to plow for 30 seconds, and it's going to be done. But no one's going to do that for you if you've used every guy in the neighborhood, because they're just going to say, well, have that guy do it. Gotcha. So you got I, you talk about relationships. Uh, is when I sell farmland, uh, you know, I talk to people all the time, and they say, hey, do you have tile on this farm? Oh, yeah. Well, do you have maps? Yeah, I don't probably have them, but the tile guy does. And so <laughs> then then I'm always trying to find who the tile guy is in that area. And, hey, do you guys have maps? Well, what farm is this? Well, then I run into where the tile guy, he wants to buy the farm too, so he doesn't necessarily want to give, uh, give me the maps on the farm. But uh, the whole prelude to that is how important did GPS change your business? So every time I'm asking, there's normally a GPS position of where that map is. Has that been a huge deal? And maybe, Tanner, we're talking about that next time. But uh, you got me wondering on – we talked about – size, spacing, best time of year, and everything has changed with technology. I'm sure your guys' has too. So we got GPS, bigger tractors. Uh, you, you talked about commercial units. Help me understand the difference between the do-it-yourselfer farmer, the commercial guy, and, and technology. Have you ever tiled without GPS? No. Okay. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so we good. started out good. with, with uh, used to use a laser. Or if... In a lot of areas, if you're driving uphill, the, the plow stays the same depth once it's added. And, and water depth. will run downhill. And water runs downhill. I mean, what? this isn't rocket science. Sometimes <laughs> it feels like it when you're trying to get water from two miles away to the drainage ditch, and there's 500 pitches and valleys in between. But, I mean, it's, this is water running downhill. So, like, your two-spade deep guys, they didn't have a laser. They were just digging uphill. Then they went to... Uh, scope or something they call it they set up targets and i didn't even understand that but so the laser uh would control a plow and then switching to gps has made things faster infinitely you can survey things so much faster not it, it helps a lot on the machine control makes that easier but just the surveying of the ground and laying out your your plans that has changed that because significantly when you had a laser you had to have line of sight Yes. And so if you go over a huge grade, you might not have line of sight. So you got to stop and rebench, right? To yes. make that work. And now, you know, you are in your GPS. It doesn't matter what kind of hill you go around. You can get signal. Yeah. And if there's a pond on the other side of the hill, you can be in whatever your survey vehicle is. You can record that line yeah. and hit design and uh, boom, it tells you everything you need to know. Where before, well, you couldn't, you know, the laser, the stick wasn't tall enough, so you had to move the laser three times, and then you got to do math. Yeah, you'll it, figure it back, right. Like, then, then there are parts of Iowa, and I would say especially them drainage district areas, that didn't have near as much tile in them as other areas with natural slope, strictly because it was so hard to do and so expensive, just, just on the layout side, let alone the installation side. But, yeah, GPS has been a game changer, but... GPS has also allowed guys to do some dumb stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're using some, you know, it allows farmers to use 
those soil max tile plows that maybe aren't as good a quality as what you're going to hey, get. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, you know, <laughs> hey, I own one. I own one, man. I understand. <laughs> and I felt the same way. I'm like, screw that guy. $1,200 an acre? I'm not doing that. I'm going to buy my own plow. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm going to buy it for 50 grand instead of 500 grand. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They have their place. And their place <clears throat> is going up a pretty good hill with four-inch tile. Which, the, that's good advice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're a pole plow guy and, and you're just doing your own, but my problem with the pole plows usually is they, they don't get anything done because we'll, we'll cover that later. But back in, the, in a pole plow, to explain just a little bit, it's using pitch to control the grade, right? So it's usually, angling. Yes. I mean, that's the one I had was what yep. it did. But if you take off too fast, stop too quickly, it changes the pitch of that. And then all of a sudden you got a hump in your tile. Have a hump in it. And a tile machine, like maybe like on mine, I don't know exactly what kind of run you're running. Mine's hydraulically controlled on that grade, so it's not moving off that grade. Yes, yeah. it's still better than nothing. Right. <laughs> right. right. And so probably similar to the hydraulic down pressure on a planter versus if you had spring down pressure. If you get harder soil, it doesn't go. It doesn't might, react as evenly. It doesn't react as yep. evenly. Gotcha. So that's one thing I've told people: if you're hiring tiling done, and the guy down the road has a pole plow. And it's easy, okay. But just think of it like hiring your field planted. Do you want to hire a guy with a burnout John Deere 7000 that has worn out disc openers and does a terrible job? If he's $5 cheaper, then yes. Well, <laughs> that's the typical and, answer. And yeah, there right. has to be an incentive to hire the pole plow, I would say. Yes. But if its price is the same and you can have someone come in with a commercial machine, I mean, there, there's a reason that the new ones cost $800,000. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's a good nugget to have in there also. So uh, when Mr. Hayes talked with me about where we should go with these shows, he goes, you're going to have to do a series. And I, and I agree with you because for the sake of our listeners, we're going to have to wrap this up in about 15 minutes, and then we were going to do a part two. I, we've got enough to do a part two. We'll see uh, where we get after a part two. But I want to cover a couple more things uh, just to kind of put this together. So we talked about return on investment being roughly 20%. And that's coming from the tile guys because they want you to believe that, so you call them to put more tile in. That's coming from Iowa State. I was just going to (laughs) say. But that's a resource that I think you can do because every farm is going to be different. I'm going to point our listeners to the Iowa State Ag Decision Maker. They've got formulas out there that can help you determine the return on investment, how much you're going to invest in tile, what you're going to get for benefits. You know, It talks all the way down to you know, a 10 bushel per acre gain in corn or a 4 bushel per acre gain in soybeans is roughly $35 an acre. And then you multiply that by how many years you're going to recoup your investment. Just uh, It does a really good job of laying that out. So I want to point our listeners to Ag- Iowa State, Ag Decision Maker. I'll have that in the show notes. But the two other things that I really want to cover before we wrap up today is ways that you guys have had experience with clients or yourself paying for tile, and then some common mistakes to avoid. So the first one I want to get into is if you're the farm owner, owner operator how many types of ways can we put a tile plan together do we have to put it all in do we have to pattern tile that farm in one spot or can we do this over a stair-stepped couple of years or can we give you a fixed dollar amount and you'll come and hook onto it next year so lang why don't you start with that on ways farm owners themselves have gone about accomplishing a tile plan so, you know, I've done several jobs where I bid it in stages. There's like three stages to the project. You know, you did the first stage is a portion of the farm. Typically, you want to start with the wettest portion of the farm if you can. 
or if you're trying to stay on a budget on everything, you don't want to pattern tile every field. If you were to pattern tile the wet spots in every field, instead of doing one field, the whole field, your dollars would get stretched probably a lot further and, and make you, you know, more money faster. Now, I don't suggest that necessarily because I think there's a benefit to pattern tiling every acre, especially here in Iowa. It depends on the field, obviously. That's one example, I guess. Do you have another one, Hayes? If your goal is to get the farm pattern tiled, make sure you do it. If you're going to not do it all at one time, do it in a way so that it fits in. If you're just, well, that side hill's wet, and we're going to run three strings at some weirdo angle across that hill, and then five years from now, you know, we should pattern tile that farm. Well, you either chop those up because they don't work into the pattern at all, or you've got to go around those, and it's irritating. There is a ton of that out there. Like in, or I mean, my dad did a lot of that in the, in 93, he bought one of them giant green staggers with a plow mound on the back. And then, so in his brain though, that farm's pattern tile. He's got a lot of tile there. And we pull out the pictures and not the case. Well, he says, what do we do about that stuff that's there? You find it, you go around it, whatever. But just have a plan to do the farm like it's going to be pattern tiled. And then start with the easy stuff. A lot of guys, they want to tile some spot that is never, ever going to be good, I would call it, even if we do tile it. And they're gonna, it's the hardest spot to drain, it takes the most money, and it, it's the least return. But you know what? That's, that's the worst looking spot. Uh -huh. Okay, well, you know what? Just, just don't even farm it, maybe. Yep. Just forget it and start with the easy stuff because it takes a smaller pipe. It takes less money, you get more ground covered, you get more returns. So start with the easy stuff, especially if you're just getting into it. Yeah. A farmer is going to look at this as a per acre cost, right? So if you're going to do like you're saying is, you know, we did it in stages, right? You got to put the mains in to get to different parts of the field to do the stages. Well, if you're going to put some of the bigger mains in in the first stage of the project, that cost per acre for the pound that you do drain is super, super high. That, so now they're going to look at that and be like, well, that, you know, doesn't make sense, but you got to figure it for the whole farm. So if they never come back and finish the whole farm, they wasted a lot of money by putting in a larger tile than they needed for that small area of the field. The key is start with a long-term plan. Right. You don't have to do all of the long-term plan in right. the first shot. Right. But I assume it's more cost-effective. Yes, if you, you want to put that main line in the correct size right, and yes. size it for the farm. I would assume it's more cost-effective to do an entire, if you're going to end up pattern tiling an 80. It is more cost-effective to have you guys do it on the time that you show up. Only unload once? Yes, do it one time. Yeah, I, That's what I tell every customer. If it's a farm, come, come if, to me. if you can be close to doing the whole farm, just let me do the whole farm. Right. Honestly, go to the banker. I was just going to say, come to the bank and get your financing. return on your money, you're killing it at the bank. I will say, you that'll know. be my quick little interjection here. A tile loan is a loan that's usually fairly easily approved yeah. because of the proof of return on investment. Going back to this planning, <clears throat> my, we have a plow. We're constantly doing things, right? And then, oh, if we get a week, we'll go out and tile. Well, we haven't tiled for, for five weeks or five years. So that's why probably should hire the professional. Honestly, having the plan, right? Like, what should we do to have, how, how do we get a plan? Do we bring one of you guys in? Is there a program out there that does it? Um, I mean, because that's what we need is, Almost, it's indecision because we have so many places that could use tile, and then we don't do it because we don't know where to go. Honestly, with your own plow that you have, you can't really put in very large main lines with that plow. You should just have a guy come in 
and plan what the farm needs to pattern tile the whole thing. Yep. Put in the big mains that you can't put in. And if you have good grade, use your plow to finish it out. Yep. I mean, that's one way to do it. Not that I'm telling you to do that. What? I'm just for, saying. For a, I'd rather you hire me or Joel here. But well, you should have seen. You should have seen Mr. Hayes. He and I. I, I know I'm really formal with Mr. Hayes. That's the best advice. Like, he almost broke down into shapes because I'm a farmer. That's, that, uh, that's why I, I feel for people like that. Like, you I know what I mean? It. Like, I don't know why. I'm, I'm a bad salesman, I guess. <laughs> you can have all his main work because we all know that's where the money is, right? <laughs> is pulling in there, sure. doing the hardest part, burning the most fuel, getting the least mm-hmm. amount of feed in, and then right. hitting the low boy and you're out of there. Well, let's Woo. let's talk about that, though. Say someone doesn't have But I've plow. done that. I've done that for plenty of guys. Yeah, I've done it for a guy, but he also had a dozer that I like to borrow. Say someone doesn't have a plow, they're, they just, they're going to hire it all out, but they want to create a plan. What's it cost to come in and figure that out? Typically, I just tell them, Is I'll give hourly? you the plan if I get the job. Okay. So there are companies out there that you can call, and they will, I don't know if anybody's familiar with LIDAR. Yeah. You design off LIDAR? Uh, I, I don't, I don't but, but I've um, used it before. they can pull up, it's some type of government topographic survey thing, and they'll design the whole plan and give you the map. This is back to the wife comment. You can have a company come in. You should probably be pretty faithful to them. If they're going to put the whole plan together for you, you should probably be faithful to them. That's kind of like the engagement phase. I had a tile guy that was I learned from, and he's like, I came in and did a plan for people, and I would charge them five grand to do the plan if they hired me or not. And if they did hire me, I took the five grand off the job. But if they didn't, they got charged five grand. That's what I do with my farmland appraisals slash valuations. So why on on the LIDAR thing, we've been farming with GPS for a long time. If you have RTK and you're going over your field several times a year, you essentially have a topo. Yeah, you could send that to somebody. And And that you could could tile off of. Just don't send it to me. (laughs) So the, the way I design things is... I've obviously seen the field before we get there and the locating. That's what everybody, how, how good are you at finding old existing tiles? That's, that's what I was talking it, about right? research. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Well, we, like my brother, that's what he does all day, every day. Is he witch with wires and stuff? <sighs> I, hope, I hope that heavy sigh came through on the mic <laughs> when you said that because to well, that doesn't work for you. If I could do that. Why would I be sitting here talking to you guys? I'd have a mansion somewhere, and it'd be a lot warmer than it is here. And I would go around and water witch things for people, but Uh-oh. it doesn't work. She doesn't understand how you can't just go witch for water. Mike Burkhart, are you listening? I don't care who it is, where you are, where you're from, what traumatic event has happened in your life that has altered the gamma rays in your body to cause you to be separate from someone else, but nobody can water witch tile. Whether there's water in it or whether it's not, it can't be done. I've seen a guy water witch an irrigation well. Huh? And that's a lot harder than trying to find a tile. He <laughs> got it's lucky. About, yeah. <laughs> this he guy, got lucky. I don't know, man. It was crazy stuff. <laughs> we'll leave it there. We'll all right, let's get, let's get back focused. So, so one way, if you own the land and you want to tile the land because you're farming it, is you can either do the whole project all at one time, you can go at it in a phase set, or you can just say, I got 50 grand to spend. It's going to do this much, you know, whatever it is. So you can just don't buy the tractor and buy the, do a pattern tile farm. Right. That's simple. Yeah. Math. That's leave that for the professionals. Yep. So the other one that I came across was uh, a lot of our farmers and probably you guys in your operations, Corey, to rent farm ground. And there's probably a lot of rented ground out there that our listeners have that could benefit from tile. I've got a couple written down on this sheet, but 
do you have any experience with how landlords and tenants have worked together to get farms like that tiled? And you can say no. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it. Um, so I tried. So in my situation, um, they paid for all of the tile itself. I installed it for free. But I got a long-term lease at a certain price to make it pay me back, pretty much. Okay. That's how I did that one specifically. Yep. That's one, Dave, that I've got That's written, way. written yep. down is it's the tenant investment strategy. So the tenant is investing into the property in return for a long-term commitment from the landlord. I have the machine to do it, so that's a different story. You know, I think for a ton of farmers, if you got a tax problem or something and you don't have enough farms of your own to pattern tile, go get a long-term lease with a tenant and fix the farm because it will pay you back in five years. It won't take long. It would pay back so much faster than a tractor or anything else you could buy. So the second one, Dave, is kind of what you hit on is the landlord could pay for the tile because they need a tax benefit. Because how many of us have landlords that are like, oh, could you write me my cash rent check on January 2nd? Because they're in such a tax. I'm sure you've got that with sellers, Dave, mm-hmm. that I can't sell it this year because i got a tax problem. Always. Yeah, so I mean, that would be, the, in my, my opinion, from notes, that the second way a, ten, a tenant-landlord relationship would work is that you have to then be prepared. If the landlord pays for this tile, your cash rent's probably going to go up, wouldn't you think, Mr. Hayes? So from the landlord perspective, we've not so much now, but a few years ago when rents were extremely high and then they started dropping off. Well, some of those rents didn't really drop off very much. And the, uh, the tenant would say, well, if I'm going to pay this rent. You're going to put in some tile. And they would get tile put in. Uh, a lot of it is, yeah, they'll uh, not pre-rate it, but they'll pro- pro-rate, pro-rate it. it. There yep. you go. If I farm it for one year and lose it, then you owe me this much money back. And then, like usually after five years, it's, it's yeah. t- to zero. I have and, a landowner that I'm doing that with starting on. Um, I'm doing the whole job for free on the field, but I got it for, and if he rents it to somebody else, he writes me a check if he rents it to somebody else. God, it's like these guys just know. I love having experts in here that know because that's the third one that I had written down on the sheet. And guys, they're not, listeners, they're not even looking at this paper. So I'm glad that we got the right experts. But that would be the other option is instead of getting a long-term lease, a contract in place, just like you said, if five years down the road, this is what it costs four hundred dollars an acre. It's going to be over fifteen years. Five years down the road, boom, X Y Z. If it's a thousand dollars an acre, you got to write a check back to me, and your goal then is to recoup it from the next tenant. And Tanner, even if the landlord puts this in, there is short term investment, but there's long term investment because arguably, if it is pattern tile, when I if I get the opportunity to sell it down the road as a real estate agent. An auction company, it's going to yield more return on what the next buyer will, oh, will yeah. buy it for. So if you're the landlord thinking, well, I, it's not my responsibility to put it in, even if that tenant wants to put it in or, or you need the tax advantage to put it in, it's not just that year return. It's not just the return for the farmer. It's the return long-term investment. So, so hold they're on, not, hold they're, on to that. That's they're not good... making any more land. That's right. But what can you do to increase the value of that land? Correct. Fertility? Hold on to that. That's a good... For part two... Be thinking about, I like that. And drainage. Fertility and drainage can improve the value of that land. And could you bring medium quality land up to higher quality land? That's probably the number one client type buyer is people that take a, a, a farm that, well, you guys already talk, alluded to it, that needs work. And, That's uh, why I bought the plow. And, and can I do. make improvements on it. So I like that. We're going to cover that. I think that would be a good part two conversation about how that increases the value of the land. Not only on a return on investment, like we talked about in this but show. But David, question for you, real quick. 
do you see, okay, if I own a farm and I pattern tile it and then I sell it three years later, do you see it, cause let's just say it costs $1,500 an acre. Is there a $1,500 an acre bump to the price of that farm um, because of that? There's a dollar per acre figure that I've, I don't have any hard data to it, but there is data. I've seen about $100 an acre. So if you have uh, right. uh, 80 acres, you might make, you know, maybe not to that extent, See, but you're going you're gonna to make some return on that, probably that $100 per acre. But what it does do, and we haven't touched in it too much, is you can actually recapture on taxes that, and that's where most people aren't putting that math to it, is that recapture tax if you buy the farm that had three years old tile in it you can still get the depreciation on it okay so the last thing i want to cover before we talk about mistakes to avoid on how do we pay for this is cost share programs so in our pre-conversation we talked a little bit about where we could go is it the fsa office the usda the nrcs uh, because we know in our area we've got some watershed projects that partner with bioreactors do either one of you have any experience working with clients that have tried to go with a cost share type program? Mr. Hayes, you want to start? I have done one cost share program and it will be my last cost share program as far as that type of thing. I've never done a bioreactor. I've never been asked to do a bioreactor. My problem with the cost share program stuff was I think it cost the customer more than what the chip in from the government help them out uh they could have just done it so what, what made way. it what made it cost more way too big a pipe for what we were doing and then had to be ran real weird way which obviously had to charge more for that and that just there's there's a reason that uh that it, it hadn't been done it's a typical government right they bring yes. in these engineers they yes. over engineer it you know, when you guys have been doing this for a long time and you know how many yards of dirt it's going to take to do this waterway or to, you know, make that. And I, I've dealt with this on a project that hasn't been done yet on my uncle's farm. And they want $30,000 to do it. And then I got a dirt work guy that says he can do it for eight or nine. Yeah. And then on the uh, bioreactor side, I, I've never had anybody ask to put one in. And my only concern on those is if, if there was a standard, like... When, when you sell a house, there's a standard for your septic tank of yeah. how it has to be updated. If there was a standard for if you put this in this certain way, when regulation comes in, and I say when because I believe yeah. it's going to happen, then you'd be okay. My fear is guys are going to spend all this money on a bioreactor, and then 10 years from now or five years from now, the government's going to say, well, you have to do this, and what you have is, isn't that. Uh, if there was a standard already that wasn't enforced, you might say, I think that'd be, that'd be fantastic. I think part two, we'll dive into what a bioreactor is. Yeah, we can do that. In, in a sense, it's a, just a big wood chip pit. The, the, right, the, the, the same carbon. kind of example does happen like with county tile too. I've had some customers where they needed to replace a 30-inch main line for the county, and it was to drain a 1,500-acre area. And the guy decided, we convinced him to do it on his own. Because the the engineering cost and all that made it way more expensive to have the county pay for it and chip in, even though you still have to pay the county, right? Yeah. I mean, and he was going to cost share it over a bunch yeah. of acres. It was still cheaper for him to just do it himself. Now, there is probably some areas where 
the FSA and RCS type deals would probably work for you. I mean, obviously the money's there. They're, you're trying to get you to do the right thing. Right. A lot of watersheds, like, well, they'll make a watershed. It's already a watershed, but they'll call it a watershed, you know, and then they'll throw extra money at it. And that's probably when it starts to make a little more sense is when there's extra money on top of the original money. And it varies a lot by state. Yep. A lot by state. Yeah, there's states out there you can't tile in, right? I mean, I don't know really know which ones they are. Like North Carolina, I don't know if that's one. Alaska. Alaska, okay. Yeah, there's several states where you can't, you know? <laughs> I looked so. at a job in the boot heel of Missouri one time, and uh, I think the NRCS cost shared on just the four inch there, yeah. like just your typical pattern tiling. Huh. Yeah. I, that reminds me. So a couple years ago, the uh, city of Des Moines, Des Moines Water Works, was suing um, up northern Iowa. My right? county. Yeah. One of my counties. I mean, yeah. 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 Raccoon River Valley. Why they picked that county, whatever. But my because argument. The river, the river feeds. The river feeds water. through yeah. there. But there's yeah. a lot of other counties that feed the river, yeah. right? They, they did like three or four counties they went after. And it was several counties. My, because they had drainage districts and it was easy yes. to the, pinpoint the, the most outlet money. and the area. And, Probably and, the biggest yeah. money in drainage and districts. And the biggest pockets are in those areas. We know that. So Just, my argument know. would be tile, <laughs> tile is actually better for soil, right? Because like we're getting that excess water off and letting it hold more water so it's not going to wash the top of it away. I really want to touch on this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> everyone says, everyone says, if you put tile in the ground, you're causing flooding. If you're causing nutrient runoff, the answer is no, yeah. because you're letting that water percolate through the soil to take toxins out, right? That's what yeah. soil does. Filter, filter. And then it goes to the tile line, so it's clean, but it slows it down. So if you have a, a bowl that's full of water, and you keep pouring water in it, it just runs over and causes a flood, right? If you can put a tube in the bottom of that bowl and let water out the bottom at a certain consistent rate and then keep filling it and it doesn't overflow, it doesn't flood. So we reduce flooding by having tile. Hmm. That's the truth. And it doesn't like, run off the top. It yep. doesn't run off the top. That's what causes nutrient runoff. The yeah. erosion yeah. difference between tile. And, and as far as like you were talking about landowner stuff, if, if I was a landowner and not operator, if I just rented everything I had out, I would tile everything I had mainly because of the erosion too because you're going to get better rent yep it is better yeah. for soil health it's better for soil health if you want to go down that plant down that road it's soil health it's if you want immediate soil health pattern tile your farm and then you can do cover crops so the soil health people i'm waiting for a claim that cereal rye can cure cancer because <laughs> according to the soil health people... Hey, I, hey, this is I, my business, guys. I sell cover crops. I right? have nothing against cover crops. I really don't. I think they work really well. In fact, our hardest farms to drain are the ones that are just hit and slammed every year with a disc ripper. Yeah. But um, from a soil health point of view, if your rye drowns out, it's not going to have roots. And that it's not going to be dry. That was my point. It's just... You can't grow anything. If, yes. you, if it's too wet, but, you're not going to grow no, rye either. You just keep growing rye, and it'll form all these little pores. And it'll, in 10 years, it'll be dry. I'm or you could just do it with tile, and it could have the best of both worlds. And then you can put cover crops on. Yes, That's exactly. exactly I w so I spoke at Practical Farmers. They had a meeting, and I was a speaker for cover crops there. Uh, it was like a month ago. And I touched on that specifically. And I think I got booed a little bit in the back. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. but, you know, they don't understand. Like, you got to get, so, you know... You got to be able to get root development out of every plant. Yeah, that's right. what creates soil health. I feel like now I'm going to get booed off the stage because we have got to cut this <laughs> and move, and and we will have to throw this into a part two, um, just for the sake of time. So, last questions, real quick, if you wouldn't mind being efficient. What are some mistakes that are common that if our customers are going to go about this or they're going to look at hiring a tile contractor, 
what are a couple of obvious things to you, having been professionals and done this, to not do? What, what should we avoid? Try not to hire the cheapest guy available. Okay. That's the first answer. I'll let you answer one too. <laughs> a lot of times they'll have too small of a budget. And all that budget will get spent on locating existing tile, running a little bit of a main, and then running three or four lines in the actual wet area. If you're going to do it, uh, I mean, yeah, I did a budget this year for 7500 bucks, but I'd also tiled a couple hundred acres for the same guy. It was rented ground. I was just down the road. But go into it with a little bit of money so you can get something done. Don't try to say, well, we're going to spend 7500 bucks on tile. It doesn't get you very far. You don't get to see the return. It just, you, you need to go into it with a little bit of money. That's just the way it is. Tanner, one mistake that I've seen, because I look for uh, wetland designations uh, when we go to sell a farm, and I had a client that tiled the wetland. It, after they had it pattern tiled all through this nice uh, wetland area, the tile company had to come in and cut it off because they didn't do their research to know that it was a wetland, and NRCS or uh, FSA office shut them down, and so all of their money was a waste. That's a big uh See, when I mistake. do a job, I don't, I have the, like when I do my own farms, I go and get a wetlands determination, but I don't necessarily go do that for the customer when I go do their field. It's kind of up to them to do that. I, In my mind, and maybe I'm not doing it right. What do you do? I just tell people uh, that's not my responsibility. It's your farm. And also sometimes what you don't know doesn't hurt you. I've redone jobs where, uh, so this guy really got burned. He bought a farm knowing that that had happened, that wetlands were tiled, but the seller told him, oh, we've got that all taken care of. Well, he buys the farm. He goes to register at FSA officer or whatever, you know, for his payments. And they're like, no, 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 no. You got to reroute that tile. Well, $15,000 later, we rerouted some tile. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that can happen. Those, those are, are good, good mistakes. Those are bad mistakes. Yeah. But I'm glad that we got those out of the open. So. Uh, I have never seen Corey write down as much as he has today, so I'm going to make him do the summary. But while he's doing the summary, we're switching our question up. We used to ask the same question for all of 2021. We're now in 2022. So what is something that you know now that you wished you'd have known sooner? So it doesn't even have to be about tile. It can be about life. It can be about relationships. It can be whatever you want. So be thinking about that because we'll wrap up with that question. What do you know now that you wished you'd have known sooner? And Corey, take it away. With our summary, I don't know if I've ever done a summary. Part one. Well, don't screw it up. <laughs> so today we spent the day with two Joels: Joel Hayes from Hayes Brother Drainage and Joel Lang from Central Iowa Drainage. Rainage. <laughs> Get the the D later, right? No. <laughs> today we learned that over half of the 375 soils in Iowa need drainage, and if we didn't have the clay tile that the guys hand dug in two spades deep. Uh, way back in the day, we probably wouldn't be farming those and have probably the best state to grow corn and soybeans in. Sorry, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went from clay, and now we have plastics, and there is a ton of different types of tile that we talked about. Um, we started with uh, just going with the grade of the ground to lasers to now using GPS to put it in. Lang said that you can plan on 20% return on your money, and he has a farm that goes up to 30%. So it's an investment. Tile is money in the bank account, which is why Tanner will always give you a loan for it. Always. Equal, ha equal always. housing lenders subject to FDIC. <laughs> well, i got to put like, some type of disclosure in there. But there's a reason that the bankers will do that. Will do it because they constantly get paid back. 
Cheaper is not always the best. Uh, a lot of farmers like myself like to play around and try to put tile in, but from my own experience, it's uh, we haven't done it for five years, so sometimes it's probably better to hire the professional and get it done right the first time. A pole plow is the best on the market from what I'm talking about, from, from Hayes or what Hayes told us. And being profe- the professional plows are much more accurate than the pole plows that farmers can get. Um, you can do it in stages, um, depending on your budget. Start with the easy stuff. And it's not just for own ground. You can do it on rented ground, do it on a long-term lease or a contract. It can be prorated. Um, it usually pays back pretty quick. And then there also are cost share programs, but we caution you to check the costs um, before you get into that. And listeners, this nice. is this is uh, to just tag on a little bit, Corey. Again, two part series here. We covered the basics and asked more basic questions in part one here. If you're a farmer, like yeah, I know this. I've been farming for a while. Stay tuned for part two. But send us your questions. Yes, that's a good one, Dave. Farm for Profit LLC at gmail.com. Very rarely do we have the opportunity to ask ahead of time for your questions. So if you can email those to us or send it on social media because we'll promote the crap out of this show. Leave them in the comments, and that'll help us really dive deep. Ms. Tanner, I'm sure the farmers are thinking, well, that was pretty basic, guys. Uh, We wanted this one to be a little bit basic uh, for the listeners that are maybe just starting in tile. Um, Now let's get down to the brass tacks. I'm sure you guys have deeper questions, and we want them. Yep. Okay. Mr. Hayes, Mr. Lang, thank you so much for joining us. I'll say that again, but let's start off with Mr. Lang. What do you know now that you wish you'd have known sooner? Well, since I did move to Iowa in the last 10 years, I, I didn't understand how tile worked, and I wish I would have started right off the bat with a tile machine. That's what I wish I would have known when I started. I liked it. I figured you were going to say that you wish you'd have grown up in Iowa, lived here all your life. <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have grown up a huge Husker fan, but hey, what can I help? I can't help it now. Sorry. All right, Mr. Hayes, what about you? I wish I would have understood why my dad sold me his tiling equipment and not his farming equipment, because <laughs> the, the tile life's kind of hard, especially compared to farming. You know, you, I see what he uh, puts together for help to get his farming operation done. It's uh, some retired guys and some guys that like to just grab a, a steering wheel and sit behind a windshield. And then I say, oh, how come I can't find help to stand outside in December in a mud hole? <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, I uh, maybe should have considered farming instead of tiling. But here we are, a little late now. <laughs> here we are. Do you I think like you'll it. ever get back into it? Back into the farm? I can see my brother moving in that direction, you might say. He's got uh, three boys, and I have four girls, all similar in ages, but... Um, Due to some circumstances in life, uh, I think it'd be easier for him yep. to do that. Okay, it's it's tough to do both because it's it, you know I got a harvest man, so I can't be out there tiling necessarily. Yeah, I, I've got some ways around it. We can touch about that later sometime. But yep. you know, yeah, it's you got to have time management if you're going to farm and tile. It's it's hard. If you want to farm and tile, you're going to have to learn to like employees, mm-hmm. and or you're going to have to have a multiple family type operation because, like you said, you pull it out every five years. And I will say this about tile and everybody that wants to do it themselves and save a buck: that tile that you didn't get in is costing you. Not as in twenty percent every year. Yeah, and and that's what I have a hard time 
you know, getting people to understand is that, yeah, you didn't spend any money on tile. You're right. Congratulations. But you're not making any return on what could have been. I spend money to make money. Well, good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to close this out. I'm going to challenge our listeners. So the first challenge is you have questions. You need to have them answered. The only way to get that is to send us your message. Uh, big thank you again to BW Fusion for rejoining us as a partner, for Gearing Hoff for jumping in and anchoring this podcast. Like the anchor leg in a track meet. That's what okay. I'm until we get something better from our listeners. <laughs> okay. You always have to have someone anchor that four by four. But anyway, uh, and John Deere for your support. So really appreciate that. And uh, the second phase of that challenge is look at your land base, rented or not, and let's put a plan together. You can start off with just identifying what farms you think could benefit from this most and find yourself that girlfriend in a tile plow uh, operator tile company Wait, and girlfriends with tile plows well you got to start girlfriend and then you get okay. to engaged and then you marry the <laughs> wife the plot book <laughs> <just in> case, <laughs> find that work life, yeah. work life. Uh-huh. and and go after that but no we had a lot of fun this is a little bit longer i'm not even going to apologize because everything in this show i think was worth it mm-hmm. i have to say thank you again because uh, joel and joel Your expertise, uh, I think, was unrivaled and didn't know what to expect here early on a Friday morning. We appreciate you coming in, making the drive, sitting with us in the studio. It's always fun to have people in person. Again, Joel Hayes, Joel Lang, look them up. Thanks for having me. These guys are super stellar people. And now, listeners, until next time, have a good one. Remember, if you aren't farming for profit, you won't be farming for long.